Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Hey, good morning, church. Thank you for being here to be the body of Christ today and receive his word. We're looking at Isaiah 58, so I encourage you to open up your Bibles to that as uh, we're looking at that full chapter today in our Humanize Me series, and, uh, and we're talking about a city lifted. So Isaiah 58, as we open these scriptures, let's open our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we do ask that you would help us to hear your word, your living word, to receive your living word into our hearts so we can hear that you're talking to us and changing us and causing us to trust you more deeply, to serve you more fully, to love you more passionately. Open our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Isaiah 58. Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then... Your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. So we're talking about a city lifted, a city lifted. When Abigail and I moved our family here to Colorado Springs, we moved from Atlanta, Georgia, big city. 
And we resolved after a few months here that we were going to go downtown and attend the city Christmas tree lighting right here in Acacia Park. Now, in Atlanta, if you're going to go downtown and attend something like the city Christmas tree lighting, you're, t- you're going to fight traffic each way, you know, hour, hour and a half. It's going to be $30 to park. You're going to have to have a strategy of how you're going to fight the throngs to try to get a glimpse of the action. But we were resolved. We're going downtown to the city tree lighting. So we left our house uh, about 45 minutes early, talking the whole way about strategy. Here's what we're going to do. And we, we drove down here in about 15 minutes. <laughs> and we pulled downtown and parked our car literally right next to the Christmas tree. I mean, right there. I couldn't believe it. And we looked at each other and said, what is going on? He said, finally, a human-sized city. This seems to be a city that was designed for human beings to live in. (laughs) And we said, praise God. City. City comes from uh, Latin civitas, or in Greek it's polis, which is where we get our very favorite word, politics, right? Isn't that your favorite word? So, so city, it doesn't just mean a, a dot on a map. It means people and how people live together. So what kind of city will we be? What kind of city is our city? Well, we want to be a city where humans can live, a place where people can be humanized. And what is a church like ours doing in a city like this. We know as a church we're called to be light and life for the city. Jesus is the light of the world. That means there's nowhere where there's darkness that Jesus isn't the light. Jesus is the light of the world and he is the life. He is God's life. He is pouring out life for us. And so we want to reflect Jesus. We want to be light and life. Light and life for the city, we say. We're for the city. Now what does that mean? Well, that doesn't mean that we blindly endorse every action of city government. That doesn't mean that we sort of promote our city as better than all the other cities that are, that are out there. You see, we don't have to do that because it's obvious. You guys are asleep. <laughs> what does that mean? It means this. We believe that the church, the people of God, has a role in a city. And our role is to serve and love the city, the people where God has placed that church, and to love and serve them in the way that Jesus has loved and served us, and to love and serve them and to promote life in that city, life after the manner of the life that we will live in the coming city of God. We're light in life for the city And remarkably, when we're faithful to that mission, it it makes a difference not only here, but it impacts our nation, it impacts our world, it goes straight around the globe. And that's why we can have a celebration like we're having right now, where we can say, let's celebrate City Serve, and we're going to celebrate World Communion Sunday, and we're going to celebrate Compassion Sunday. Why? Because when we're faithful to Jesus right here, it makes a difference not only here, but in our country, it makes a difference in our world. It goes straight around the globe. When God is glorified, Lives are transformed, and it pours out into our city streets and straight around the globe. What's a church like ours doing in a city like this? Lifting the, the light and the life of Jesus. And when Jesus is lifted up, he draws people toward himself. And when Jesus is lifted up, we are changed. And when we are changed, 
that changes the world. You know, I've been pastor at First Pres for over three years now, and everywhere I go, when I say I'm a pastor, uh, and I say, what church? Oh, I'm the pastor of First Pres. You know what people say to me? It doesn't matter if they're believers or non-believers, city workers or ministry leaders, they say to me, oh, First Pres. That church is a force for good in our city. That's what they say. That church is a force for good in our city. First Pres, you've done so much for our city. I hope you know that, and I hope that's part of why you're here, that you want to be a part of that. We want to we represent Jesus to this people, this city that's out here, and represent his love. Yesterday, we did just that. As you heard, we had about 450 of our own out serving. But because First Pres Colorado Springs, because we as a church have shared this day with other churches, with other movements, we've joined up with Cause I Love You, something even bigger than 450 people out serving happened. Watch this video. Good morning. She looks like she's ready. She's she's warming up. So city service is something more than a simple event. One day of service, we all come together in unity and love. We feel like we have to be part of this. We're building a crib. <laughs> making cookie bars. So we're making placemats for the Thanksgiving dinner. Church is not only go to church. We need to go out, out of the box, and love the people. That's Crazy. why it's called Cause I Love You. That's yes. the movement. <laughs> it's not only our family. It's like multiple people. But again, it's like a bonding time for us. I believe in unity. I believe in all churches coming together to exemplify the love of Christ and to come together as the body. And it's a, a Latino, black, white, uh, Chinese, all together. And it's amazing how we can work together for God's kingdom. Forty-one hundred people, sixty-six churches. Isn't that great? Isn't that insane? Isn't that beautiful? It's worth celebrating that we get to be a part of something like that. Isaiah asks us again this morning, "What kind of church are you? What kind of what's a church like yours doing in a city like this?" And as we look at Isaiah fifty-eight, it has two parts. There's the first part that is us trying to get God on our agenda, and then there's a second part where we actually submit to what God is doing. What is First Pres doing in a city like Colorado Springs? Look at how it rolls. Verse 5, is this the kind of fast I've chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? God's saying, is this what you think a spiritual devotion is? You're supposed to be sort of you know, bending over like a reed and walking around in sackcloth and ashes and being all dour and sad and miserable and everything else? Is that... Is that, is that really what, what you think I'm calling you to do and to be in your city? And what have they done? God says, is that what you call a fast? Fasting is a type of spiritual devotion. 
It's withholding uh, food and physical things to make room for spiritual food and spiritual things. But these people, they were doing it in the wrong motives. They were doing the spiritual action to try to impress God. Try to prove something in front of God. We know that because if you've got your Bible open, if you look at verse 3, they say, why have we fasted and, and, and you've not seen it, God? Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't done anything about it? See, they're trying to get God to do something for them. Like, why am I doing all this religious stuff? Why am I doing all this church stuff? And God, you're not paying off. You know, I keep putting it in and, and when are you going to pay off for me? I mean, I keep putting in all my religious stuff and I looked... Uh, sadder and worse than anybody else on the street, you know? And when are you going to pay off for me when, when I make myself so miserable for you? Friends, that's not how it works. You can't bribe God. You can't bribe God. Our devotion to God is not a way of pushing God into our agenda. The point of worship and religious devotion is to submit ourselves to God, to put ourselves in His hands, to be changed to be transformed, to be made different, you see. Because when we're changed, it changes the world. So the first half of of this passage is is people attempting to enlist God on their agenda, to push God into their plans. Say, God, if I do this and this and this, then you have to do what I want you to do, to bribe God. It doesn't work like that. In fact, that never works. It only hurts you and it starts to hurt the people around you. Isaiah even said, look, you do this, but you're, you're making your workers, you're causing your laborers to work overtime, double time, to cover your spiritual devotion. So how does the day end? As he read the passage, well, the day ends in strife. The day ends in people fighting, literally hitting each other with fists. <laughs> That's how your day of, of spiritual devotion to the Lord ends. Listen, if, I, if we finish up here today, and, and you guys start swinging, <laughs> something's off. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that means something was slightly off. Don't you think? But Isaiah says there's another way. There's another way. If you humble yourself before the Lord, if you submit yourself to Him, then there's another direction that this can go. Not enlisting God into our agenda, but seeking God's agenda and asking how we can be a part of it. You see? There's a big difference between asking God to be a part of your plans and asking God, what are your plans? And can I be a part of them? Could somehow I, who I am, the gifts I have, because there's some way, Lord, that I could be used for your purposes, for your glory. This passage, I want to be very clear in uh, Isaiah 58, is not a passage offering a right set of actions over and against a wrong set of actions. This isn't uh, do this, don't do that. This isn't God saying, listen, don't do spiritual things, only do socially activated things, you know, and then I'll do what you want. Then, then I'll, I'll be in your service. That's not what this means. That's not what Isaiah 58 is about. What's it about? It's about the will. Where is your heart? Where is your will? If it's one set of actions against another, then you're just exchanging one set of of hypocritical, superficial, religious activity for another set of hypocritical, external, superficial, religious activity. That's not what it's about. 
It's about the will. It's about the heart. It's about who is your God. You see, even in the, in the passage, it says, on the day of fasting, verse 3, you do as you please. You're doing your will. You're doing what you want. You're not fasting for me. You're fasting for you and for your purposes. No, it takes more self-forgetfulness than that. Selflessness, not selfishness. It takes putting away your own, your own preferences, your own predilections, and saying, God, what is your plan? And is there any way that I could be a part of it? C.S. Lewis wrote in The Great Divorce, there are only two types of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Do you get it? Is it my will or thy will? If you only want to do what you want to do, God will let you do it. And you'll be lost. But there's another way. You say, thy will be done. My life in your hands. You knit your heart to God's heart. You knit your will to God's will. And you submit. And if you go that way, Isaiah says, verse 13, you'll, if, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and you keep from doing as you please on my holy day, that's, look, the Sabbath is just, it's an emblem of the relationship with God. If you stop entering your relationship with me under the, the idea that you're going to do whatever you want, if you stop trying to make me do what you want, and if you stop doing as you please, and if you call my day holy, and if you honor it, and if you honor it by not going your own way, not doing as you please, or speaking idle words. If you do that, then you will find your what? Joy. Joy in the Lord. Boy, it's the last place I expected to find it. You know, where was my joy? I expected to find my joy at the end of the road of doing whatever I wanted to do. But if you submit yourself, says Isaiah, you'll find your joy in the Lord. Not in doing what you please, but in serving his purposes. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights, feast in the inheritance. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's a different result. My will or thy will. I'm God or your God. My way or your way. Maybe religion is just about me. Maybe coming to worship is just my own spiritual fitness plan. Maybe my, my fasting is just about getting my soul right. And, and it's all about how I operate. And, and it's all about me at the middle. Isaiah says no. Worship should produce life. Not just in you, but overflowing to those around you. This hour is different. In this hour, you are changed. And when you are changed... It changes the world. When we submit our will to the Lord's will, here's what it looks like. Verse 8, Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear, and your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Doesn't that sound good? Do you have a rear guard? How about the glory of the Lord backing you up? Doesn't that sound good? He says, if you knit your heart with my heart, you submit your will to my will, this is what it looks like. Light will break forth from you. It'll break forth like a hatched egg, like rushing water. Light will break forth from you. 
Then you'll call on the Lord, verse 9, and the Lord will answer. You'll cry for help and he'll say, here am I. Why? Because you're walking in God's purposes. You're walking in communion and fellowship with God. You've given your life to God in Jesus Christ and he's walking with you every step of the way. So you say, Lord, Lord. He says, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. Verse 10, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. What's he saying? He's saying when you love God and you love neighbor, you spend yourselves. You spend yourselves on others. That's more than money. That's more than just a little you know, uh, check that you wrote. That's I'm giving myself away. I'm spending myself. And when you love God and you're spending yourself and you've habituated yourself in that, you've, habitu- you've made it a habit in your life that you wake up and you say, not my will but thy will. Not my way but your way. Not my plans, but your plans. Not my purposes, but your purposes. And anything that you would like to use me for today, I'm in. What this passage is saying is that then, your light, it isn't just a sunburst. It isn't just like when the sun breaks on the, on the horizon and the sunrise. Your light, your light. It's like the noonday sun. Why? Because... It's become normalized now that your life is a reflection of the light of Jesus Christ. And when people see you, they see a little something of Him. Finally, it looks like this, verse 11. As I read this, I just want you to think about First Pres, our church. It says, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. You'll strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden. Like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called a repairer of broken walls, people who bring security. A restorer of streets with dwellings, people who bring life. That's my prayer for us, church. When God is glorified, Lives are transformed. When you come into worship, you're changed. And when those lives are transformed, the light of Jesus shines off of them and people who did not know the Lord up till now, they see something of the light of Jesus. And so when lives are transformed, we tell that story and God is glorified. God is glorified and lives are transformed and lives are transformed and God is glorified and this virtuous loop of God's glory continues upward and upward and the glory of the Lord is your rear guard. That's my prayer for us. So in this city, we get into a lot of conversations, don't we? What's a church like yours doing in a city like this? And what kind of city are we going to be? And we talk about homelessness. Listen now, some city in the world is the very best city in the world at helping people move out of homelessness and into fullness of life and God's purposes for them. Some city right now is the very best city in the world at doing this. Do you know what city I hope will be the best? I'm giving you three guesses, people. The first two don't count. I pray for our city to be that. And folks, we're doing it. I'm flying tomorrow to Des Moines, Iowa, just because I've been asked to go talk to some, some people there about what Colorado Springs is doing to address these problems. 
We're doing it. We partner with a lot of agencies, and, and uh, we also partner with, with one called Family Promise that, that hosts the Interfaith Hospitality Network. It's a ministry that moves in to a crisis situation with families to provide temporary shelter, to house them, bring safety, repair of walls, you see? Safety, secure, uh, the restore of, of streets with homes. And the church uh, actually moves towards these people and provides that shelter to help them stand on their feet again. Here at First Pres, uh, we give actually, it's in our walls four weeks a year, and the rest of the year we're partnered with a network of churches to provide this. I want you to watch this, this video about a woman whose life was utterly transformed by this ministry. In 2013, uh, one of my children had um, a crisis that required a long-term hospitalization. So I started down, looking to downsize my home and came up with a plan on how we were gonna keep this going. Uh, that plan fell apart. And then August 1st, I had to drive away from home with my six children and tell them that I didn't know where we were going. And so I went to every motel in Colorado Springs and was gonna get a room for a couple of weeks while we figured it out. I hadn't planned on that uh, my family, being a family of seven, violated every fire code. So we ended up sleeping in my van. So I went to the Marion House Soup Kitchen. I walked around to the reception desk, which was closed, and I asked if the person standing there knew where my children and I could go. He called Interfaith Hospitality Network. They ended up having space for a family of seven same day. As we were working through homelessness, it was amazing that not only was I supported and treated with dignity and respect, but my children were embraced by an entire community and we were supported in a way where it was kind of like going over to grandma's house for dinner every night for six months until we were able to find our home again. So for the last four and a half years, I've been a staff member at the organization that supported me and my family and have continued to, to work my way up and find ways to provide um, better care and empathy and compassion to families that are experiencing homelessness and housing instability. And what she didn't tell you is that this woman, Cat Lily, uh, when uh, our own Mike Royal retired from this position last year as executive director, Cat Lily, the woman that you just heard from, was named the executive director of Family Promise, leading the ministry that transformed her life. When God is glorified, lives are transformed, and it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. Well, friends, that's a celebration. We're celebrating. That's, a, that's Isaiah. Is it going to be God's will or your will? That's a city serve. Uh, that's a family promise. And, and one last challenge for you. I swear, no more videos, but one last challenge, okay? This compassion. Compassion works with kids who are living on less than $2 a day and lifts them up out of poverty. Listen to me now. There is no reason why every family in this church does not have a compassion child relationship. So I hope that you'll stop by the table there and explore that. Look, when God is glorified, lives are transformed. So what is a church like ours doing in a city like this as the praise team comes up? As the praise team comes up to join me, I leave you with this thought. What's a church like ours doing in a city like this? What are we doing? We're lifting Jesus. We're lifting up the glory and the light and life of Jesus Christ and watching as he lifts the city. As he lifts the city to the glory of his name. We lift the name of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God 
who came from heaven to earth and took on flesh. Jesus is God's son who was born and came to a city. He came to a city called Jerusalem. It's still there. You can go see it if you like. A real place filled with real people. And in that real city, he set a real table and prepared a real sacrifice as he took on himself all of the injustice and pain and brokenness and strife and violence of that city and of the world. And he brought it all onto himself and allowed it all onto his flesh. And as he was pinned to the cross, he died for it. And when he rose from the dead, listen, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, when he rose from the dead, a new city was born. A new city. And even though we can't see it fully, we can glimpse its coming, and we know that it is on the way. A city where you and I join with all believers, and where you and I can be who God called us to be, where you and I can be named sons and daughters of the living God. It's a city that we taste right here. Lord Jesus, thank you for your victory over sin and death. Thank you for newness of life in the city that's coming where we, where we too can live, where we too can be human in your sight, where we can be, we can be made whole. We pray, Lord, that you would give us courage to stand for you in every dark place, to reflect your light and your life to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.